Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. So verse 11, Colossians chapter 2, and then I'm going to jump read a couple other verses. In him, Jesus, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Are you thankful that he has circumcised our hearts, the cutting of the way of the flesh? This is a type and shadow in the old. It says, we've been buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he's made us alive together with him, having forgiven you of all your trespasses. Are you thankful that the blood of Jesus has washed us clean? Come on, there's no sin that can out-sin the blood for those whose hearts are open. And there's something so holy about and so pure and, and just get you back, like that old song, take me back to where I, I first met you, Lord. You know, restore the joy of my salvation. Or something about just your story. And when you first experienced the freedom uh, where that burden of sin lifted off your shoulders. Come on, are you thankful for the blood that washes white as snow? Man, it says he's forgiven us of all of our trespasses. Now look, he says, having wiped out the handwriting requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. Part of that is the law. It's talking about the the legal things of the law. And it says, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Just, Just for a moment, can we just, the devil's defeated. So your warfare should not be fighting for victory but fighting from victory. Actually, I wouldn't even use the word fighting. Executing victory in Jesus. But sometimes, no, 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 listen. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. The armor of God is all, it's the armor of light. It's putting on Christ. Romans says it this way, put on Christ. Put on Christ, so you're in him. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. One pastor that I I, uh, was part of a church for many years, he said, greater is he that's in you than he that's after you. Now, I like that, but I don't think about how the devil's always chasing me. But listen, greater is he that's in you than the enemy that's out there looking around. And he roars, he prowls like a roaring lion, but he's he's a gumless lion or a teethless lion. He just has gums. Come on, somebody. He doesn't have authority over you. Jesus disarmed the principalities and powers at the cross. Do we believe that? Like this is what the scripture says. Like the enemy is defeated. He doesn't have authority unless you give it to him. And we as the people of God, the children of God, execute victory. We don't fight the devil. The devil's been defeated. We execute the victory. We have eviction papers a gun and a badge, so to speak, and we evict the enemy out of territory that doesn't belong to him. That's who we are. That has nothing to do with what I'm preaching on, but I'll say that anyways. Having wiped out the handwriting, so it says it made a public spectacle. Now look, let no one judge you in food or drink regarding festivals or new moon or Sabbaths. Now this whole context is about uh, ridding the, the legalistic understanding 
um, that, that he's dealing with in, in the church, Paul is laying it out, man. You know, it, it's, it's interesting, even like when he's writing to Timothy, he's like, oh, you want to get circumcised? You might as well just cut the whole thing off. Like he literally was so, uh, you guys didn't get that, did you, what I just said? <laughs> you want to go back to religion? Then you can have your religion and be emasculated, is what he's saying. But there's a new way of freedom in Christ. And this is, he's dealing with the same kind of spirit, the same Judaizing spirit that he dealt with in the, in the book of Galatians. Now, Paul doesn't mess around here. He says, let no one judge you according to this stuff. Uh, they are, what, what is he talking about? The old covenant is, look what it says, verse 17, a shadow. Say shadow. shadow. They're a shadow of things to come. But the substance, say substance. Another word uh, there could be reality. The reality is Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility in the worship of angels, intruding to those things that, which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together by every joint and ligament, grows in the increase that is from God. Holding fast to the head. Who's the head of the church? Jesus is the head of the church, holding fast to him as Lord. But it says the old covenant, which the Old Testament is the part of the scriptures. It's the word of God. And, and so it's helpful to us, but it's not all applicable. How many know and are thankful you're not under ceremonial law anymore? Can you imagine? Um, but there, it's important for us to understand as believers that Jesus is the reality. The old covenant was the shadow. How many know a shadow is two-dimensional? A shadow doesn't accurately portray the, the reality of something. A shadow is not color, is not vivid, but Jesus is the vivid. This is why Paul uh, says this in verse 15 of chapter 1, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus reveals the perfect revelation. Jesus is God's self-revelation. So all of Scripture points to him. Now jump over real quick to John 14. John 14, Jesus said in verse 7, If you'd known me, you'd known my Father also. Now he's answering a question. He says, show us the Father. And it will be, he says, where are you going? So we can know the way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, if you'd known me, you'd known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And then verse 8, Philip, God bless Philip, Lord, show us the father and it is sufficient for us. I want to stop and just think, I, wanna, I wish I could talk to Philip right now. Philip, did you hear what the Lord just said in verse 7? The Lord just said, if you'd known me, you'd know my father also. And from now on, you've know him and have seen him. From now on, you've known him and have seen him. Poor Philip. And then Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. Hold on a minute. Wait, wait, wait. We do this in our theology, though. Like, I, I just want to see what God looks like. Jesus is what God looks like. Jesus is what God has to say. Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. There's no image of God hiding behind Jesus. Jesus revealed to us the heart of the Father. So when we as believers follow Jesus, we're praying. When we read the scripture, we're praying, Lord, point us to Jesus. We want to see Jesus, that last song that was not, I don't think it was scripted. It was that last song. I just want to open my eyes, Lord. I just want to see Jesus. Jesus, show us who you are. And you reveal to us the heart of the Father. And then he says, I've been with you so long, yet you have not known me, Philip. 
He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me and the words that I speak to you? I don't speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And just a little bit further down, he starts talking about the Holy Spirit. He says the Holy Spirit is going to testify of me. We see it here in John 14 and 15 and 16 that the Lord says, I'm going to send the promise of the Father and he will show you things to come. He's your helper, your teacher. Are you thankful for the Holy Spirit? And, and here's what Jesus says, that Jesus, the Holy Spirit doesn't bring attention to himself, but points us and testifies of Jesus, points us to Jesus. So as a church that believes in the triune God, because we are a part of the historical Orthodox Church, right? In Christianity, we believe that God is not just one person, but three divine persons, one essence or substance. And the mystery of the Trinity is revealed in Scripture and in uh, the life of Jesus as his self-revelation. I'm going to try to share with you uh, and teach in a way where it's not like drinking from a fire hose. Sometimes I have a tendency to do that. Are y'all okay? Y'all with me? I asked my wife first service. I'm like, how was it? Was it too deep? She was like, it was like drinking from a fire hose, honey. I'm like, okay, I'll try to just, you know, just ease it up just a little bit. But I want to share my heart with you about the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of the Spirit is not just so we can have fun in church and get goosebumps. The purpose of the Spirit is not just to give us wonderful gifts, which we love all of the gifts. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us, and Jesus reveals the heart of the Father. The Holy Spirit shows us who we really are. See, when we see who God is, we see who we are. When we behold Him, we become more like Him. Whatever you behold, you become. And I'm, I'm reminded of Revelation chapter 1. And also 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where in Revelation 1, John has this revelation of Jesus. The book of Revelation isn't just about end times, it's about a revelation of Jesus. And I don't want to disappoint you, but I'm not going to talk about end time theology, eschatology this morning. Um, I, I, let me just give you a little spoiler alert, though. Whatever you read, however you interpret it, spoiler alert. Jesus is coming again. There's a final resurrection and a final judgment, and he's coming back to a glorious and victorious church. That's the important details. Come on, somebody. <laughs> if our eschatology is somehow absorbed in fear, sometimes I think we worship the, the prophecies of the end times instead of the one who's coming again. Listen, there is a blessing in encouraging one another with the words that he is coming. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, and he's coming physically. But we don't get so caught up that we end up doing what the world does and a lot of our prophecies are just like CNN and all of the negative news is out there. Come on, somebody. But Jesus reveals himself to John in Revelation 1. John sees this image of like this uh, menorah, this seven-branched candlestick that we see in the Old Testament. And it says it's the sevenfold spirit of God. Um, it's the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has different facets, just like the, the rainbow has seven different colors, right? There's a many-fold wisdom of the Holy Spirit, different operations of the Holy Spirit. But in the midst of this revelation that John has in Revelation chapter 1, where he, it says he fell on his face like a dead man, and then Jesus comes up and says, don't be afraid, and puts his hand upon him. In the midst of that, he saw Jesus with eyes of fire, and there's this beautiful picture. But now when we look at 2 Corinthians, where Paul is saying, listen, there's the old covenant way 
uh, of, of living and understanding God. Then there's the new covenant way of living and understanding God. How many know that we as new Christians are not called to live under a covenant that is obsolete and we have been brought into a new and better covenant? I'd like to think of it kind of like, you know, there's a, a big blessing, like the law was good and it was needed. It, it, the same way, if I could contrast it this way as a, a metaphor, there's a blessing in technology. Like some technology is good, right? Are you thankful for technology? But at the same time, it can almost be a curse. Like I like my phone, but when it consumes me and distracts me, I don't like it, right? It's like the internet is great. But now if I just jump back a little bit, first of all, I'll say this, that I'm so thankful that I met my Christian God-fearing wife, who's beautiful, over 23 years ago, and we've been married 23 years. Come on, somebody. But when I, amen, thank you for the four golf claps. Amen. Marriage is awesome. Praise God. Yeah. When I first got saved, I, it was like I went from being just a crazy young teenager you know, how many phone numbers can I get in junior high of different girls to like, okay, God called me, sanctify me, set me apart. And now I, I don't even know how to flirt with girls. It was a good thing. I totally lost my mojo when I first got saved. I didn't even know how to like, uh-huh, you know, it was, and it was awkward. I'm just telling you right now, it was awkward. And this is right before the internet started coming out. Okay. And I'll get to that in a moment. But I remember like this experience I had even in youth groups and stuff. Some of these Christian girls, they were weird, man. They're like, God told me you're my husband. I'm thinking, I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about, bro. There's something to be said about the whole God told me thing. Mm-hmm. Like if your God told me can't be questioned, then you're your own God voice. Watch out now. And, and I remember experiencing this whole thing where it was just like, this is weird, you know? And then there's chat rooms, this social media world. This is before Instagram. Before filters and selfies, come on somebody, before all the phony, right? Like we like it, but at the same time, before influencers, come on somebody. Religion's done the same thing with God, all these filters over the real Jesus. I remember like chat rooms, you know, and we're in chat rooms like, oh, it's a Christian chat room. Praise God. Cute Christian girl, 777. Oh, I want to chat with her. I'm 19, single. Praise God, I want to meet her. But I don't even know if it's really a girl. It could be a dude in a basement. The experience that we have is the same way. Like, I, I love technology. But, like, if I had a relationship, a long-distance relationship, I mean, thank God for, like, Internet, you know, uh, websites, dating websites. I, I've, I've seen people, like, meet their spouse that way. It's, right? It works. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. It could be a curse. I mean, nowadays, teenagers, most teenagers, like they have this, it's, it's actually very demonic, the accessibility to pornography today, yeah. where a little 10-year-old could search the wrong thing and brrr, all these images and videos pop up. Like we've got to be careful. So it could be a curse. It could be a blessing. But I think about like the relationships, long-distance relationships, I was thinking about it this week, and, and, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me about it, about what I'm sharing with you. Uh, this week, my, my daughter was talking about, she's applied to different colleges, and I think, and I, I keep getting emails, and one time I got an email, and it's like some college, I don't even, it wasn't overseas, but I felt like it was in China or something. Like it was too far. If it's over a mile away, it's too far for my daughter to leave. 
And, and I remember texting her, I'm like, why am I getting these acceptance letters of colleges that are out of state? She's like, it's just for fun, Dad. It's just for fun. I'm like, okay, whatever. But this last week, she says, Dad, I'm really thinking about this one college in this one place, and it's not here in New York. So, and I'm like, Gracie, you're not leaving me. And I got mad. And I pondered it and processed it. She's not leaving, thank God. But I felt like the Lord says, can you imagine how it feels to me when people choose a long-distance relationship with me instead of the one I've designed for them in Jesus Christ? Because the law and the old covenant was kind of like an email. God met them where they were at, but he wanted everyone to come to the mountain, but they were scared. So they kept their distance. But Jesus came and brought us close. The God who was made flesh brought our broken humanity into his divinity to heal and make us whole, to reconcile us back to Jesus. In the same way as a father, I can't imagine having a relationship with my kids long distance to the point where I was furious. And I'm like, Gracie, I love you, Grace. I'm like, Gracie, don't leave me. She's so sweet. She said, I won't, Daddy, with a little heart. And the Lord spoke to me, and it was like, sometimes we settle for the virtual realm of relationship with God instead of a real revelation of who Jesus is by the Holy Spirit where he illuminates who he is and reveals the heart of the Father where he's right here. We're not just reading the letter of the law. We're not just memorizing scripture about God. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. What is knowing the truth? Knowing the truth is not just memorizing the Bible. I think we should have a high value for Scripture, but not to the point where it's Father, Son, and Holy Bible. There are some churches that teach the Bible, but they don't teach the Word. What do I mean by that? Just teaching the Bible in and of itself isn't teaching truth because it depends on the interpretation of the Bible. If it's not leading us to a real experience of truth, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When he said, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. What is know the truth? Experience the truth. Not just read about the truth. If our revelation of Scripture doesn't lead us to a revelation of Jesus, we're doing it wrong. We're setting, settling for a virtual world or a long-distance relationship with God. This is what Paul was dealing with. That's the shadow. Jesus is the reality. The old covenant would put a veil over the revelation of God. But now we turn to the Lord, the same thing we see in Revelation 1. John hears this voice, and he turns, and he sees the, the sevenfold Spirit of God, this candlestick, which is all, there's all sorts of types and shadows in the Old Testament that, and revelation from that, but Jesus right in the midst of it. And then... And then we see the same thing where Paul says, if you turn to the Lord, it says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Or where the spirit is Lord, there's freedom. He's talking about the freedom when we surrender to the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus to us and Jesus revealing the heart of the Father so we can step into real relationship with him. I will not settle for a long distance. You know, the Bible says that it's the law that brings forth wrath. The law was good for a season. But I can imagine, just like James chapter 4, verse 5, it says, the Holy Spirit is like this jealous lover 
that yearns over us with this furious love to have more and more of our hearts. The tiny degree of fury I felt when my beautiful daughter was talking about possibly moving, and of course I'm messing with her, it's not about that, but it's a metaphor for the heart of the Father. Can you imagine for years... Under the law, it was as if God had a long-distance relationship with the people and they're communicating via email. See, just like this laptop would represent what I use to communicate with one of my kids who's somewhere else, the law represented that. If, if that ended and all of a sudden I'm reconciled back face-to-face with my kids, man, I would toss this thing out. So the word of the Lord is, don't settle for those things. Don't settle for a God that's distant. Don't settle for an image of God that doesn't look like Jesus. Don't settle for any of that. Because God wants to meet with us face to face and give us a greater revelation of him, his love, and his heart so he can take us from glory to glory. I want to close and I want to read in 2 Corinthians real quick. This is where Paul, this summarizes the heart of what I'm saying. He's talking about the glory of the new covenant. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And so he says here in verse 16 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, just like Revelation 1.12, John heard the voice and he turned to see the voice. And he When you turn your heart to the Lord, he reveals himself in a greater way. When we turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. So what Paul's saying here is when when I'm talking about Lord, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. He says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. freedom. There's liberty. Another translation, and I think better translated, is where the Spirit is Lord, there's liberty. Because the Holy Spirit's everywhere. But when we surrender to His reign in our life, freedom comes. And it says, but we all with an unveiled face, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. So whatever we behold, we become. It says we're going from the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Here's what I'm saying to us. As we yield to the Holy Spirit, as a church that prioritizes the presence of God, and in our own personal Christian life, don't settle for all the other stuff. Let's be a people who turn to the Lord, who are yielded. And when we pray, Lord, you've poured out your Spirit, we receive it, that it leads us to Jesus. This is why Paul was so clear when he talks about the gifts of the Spirit, he says, no one says Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. What does that mean? That means just what Jesus said in John 14. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. The Holy Spirit always exalts Jesus as Lord. Why? Because Jesus reveals the heart of his Father. It's this triune flow, this triune, uh, like this divine dance, if you will, where God invites us into to discover his love and experience his love. And he has put away the old way, come on, the old covenant. He's saying, step in, step in, because I want to know you. I want to heal you. I want to pour my love upon you. And I want you to know me. And it's in that we receive healing and wholeness in our relationships. Come on, somebody. In our family, in our 
in our marriages, for those of us that are married, God, come in power. We want to go from glory to glory. As a church, my prayer is, this worship we experienced this morning, raise your hand if you thought it was powerful worship. Raise your hand. Almost every hand in the room. You can't get worship like this everywhere. There's the atmosphere here. Is, this, is, this is the Father kissing us with his presence. I remember I had the honor of leading worship for a conference in uh, Yakima, Washington. And uh, it's one of my mentors as a conference. I got to lead worship two years in a row there. And I remember leading worship and the manifest presence of God was so profound. Some lady came up, she's like, I have not felt the glory like that since I was at Bethel Church in Reading. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you right now, we may not realize what we have. I remember in Las Vegas, we had uh, conferences and we'd bring out students from BSSM, Bethel Church in uh, Redding, California, which is an amazing, amazing ministry. Global movement, I think, should be honored. It's one of the most profound movements. I love Bill Johnson, Chris Vallotton. I love Danny Silk as a friend of mine. He endorsed my book. I, I love and I honor that movement. But we'd have these students come down, and I remember these students came down to our conference. They're like, you know, these third-year third Bethel students, like, we came down to be a blessing, and we're getting our socks knocked off. They didn't use that metaphor, but they're like, we're getting blown away by the presence of God that is in this place. And I just, Can I just tell you, like, what we're experiencing right now? God's going to take us even further. But let's honor, and let's turn our hearts. Listen, y'all are in the right place. God's assembling an army. We're go, we're, we, are, we are positioned for a move of God that is going to impact this region. This worship team is going to release a sound over this region. That's why we need your sound. We need your sound, Mary. There's a symphony of heaven. It's the sound of heaven. I'm so thankful for the kiss of his presence. May it all lead us into a deeper encounter with him. I just want to see him. I just open my eyes, Lord. I just want to see Jesus. Just like John. Lord, I turn to the voice. I turn. I want to see you. I want to see you high lifted up. I want to see the fire in your eyes. I want to encounter you. Because just one encounter will change my life forever. Lord, thank you for this army of warriors. Thank you for the revival. There's a stirring. How many can feel it? There's a... My wife this morning said, this feels like Encounter Vegas. What we're, there's a flow. And then some. That's what she said just now. Is that okay if I say that? Yeah. No? <laughs> okay. Well, it's too late now. Can we just lift our hands up? Let me just close in prayer. I... You know, there's moments in transition where we're just flowing and I begin to pray over my kids. And the reason is I just, I just want, it. I want them all to encounter the Lord. It's so important to me. And I want you to encounter the Lord. I want every person in this room to encounter his love and his presence. God's doing something so holy. Sarah, Sarah, can you sense it? It's so holy. Like, God revealed to us what you're doing. 
And may we be a unified army, fitly framed together. As we behold you, you knit our hearts. We were in one accord because our hearts are just fixed on you, looking unto Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. If you want a renewal, a revival of life, if you want a greater revelation of Jesus in this place, I want you to just lift your hand up high. Say, that's me, Pastor. I want, I desire. And if you lifted your hand up high, stand up with me. Stand up. If that's your heart cry, if you're hungry, if you're thirsty, if you want to, you want Jesus to manifest who he is in your life, in your relationships, in your marriage, on your job, all over, just receive, receive, receive right now. We're going to dismiss in just a moment, but I want to invite those of you that lifted your hands, those of you that stood up, I want you to just come and fill this altar right now. Come on. Can we just seal this moment with just, let's take a stand and let's just say, God, we are standing our ground and saying, we want what you have for Rochester. We want what you have for this region. We want to position ourselves for the greater glory. Come on, that's it. Just fill in. Just fill in. Come all the way up. There's more people coming up. Come on. I love altar calls where hungry people just come. Don't hesitate. Just come. Young people, come. There's a fire being released right now. Come on. Youth and young adults, come. Young and old. Generational alignment. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Come on. Multi-ethnos. Man, it's looking like heaven in here more and more each week. Father, we thank you. I thank you for this family. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for Revival Fire. Brand our hearts. Lift your hands and ask him right now. Brand our hearts. Come on, just begin to cry out and say, we receive it. We turn to you. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.